All right, everybody, welcome back to the Just End the Suffering podcast, featuring your sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Usually, this is the sports-only podcast. We do do some pop culture on here, including the past couple of weeks. We have gone going through Season 2 in The Mandalorian, doing rep- weekly episode recaps. The finale dropped on Friday, December 18th. A lot of fun going through the episode. Put together a fun panel for you if you want to check this out. You just want the sports, that's okay. There's an episode of the feed for you. I talked to Mike working all about the athletic, about the Knicks. We did NFL picks for week 15. You can check that out on the podcast as well. If you want to skip this one, that's fine. The holiday special will be coming up next week. I have a, fun, a lot of fun in store for that. But stick around for our main attraction. We'll be talking about The Mandalorian with a panel of our guests who have discussed it in the past right after this. We are back here talking the recap of the finale of The Mandalorian, Chapter 16, The Rescue. I got an all-star panel here with me today. This is basically our even-episode team of podcasters. First up, we talked about Episode Chapter 10, The Passenger. Pete Considori is here. Pete, how are you? I'm doing great. Let me me tell you something. If you ever want to experience life to the fullest, get a root canal before a podcast. (laughs) I think, I think personally, that's probably the best thing you could do, especially in a pandemic. So to preface, I'm a little numb. So if I sound a little weird, I do apologize. But thanks for having me. I mean, Mandalorian. I mean, what a what a fantastic season. And I'm sure we'll get into it a bunch. But thanks for having me. No problem. Plus, you were due for real episode to get in the frog lady. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, the only episode that I get was talking about a frog lady and a bunch of eggs. I mean, come on. And ice spiders. And ice spiders. Yeah, it's like the only good part of it. Anyway. All right, that, that's Pete. And next up, you talk about Chapter 14, The Siege. Our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rose, here. Sam, how are you? I am doing great this Saturday morning. Um, I feel like I'm eating my words because I said that in the last time that we spoke about The Mandalorian that, we, that I had, like, the best episode, and yet they just got better. So I'm glad to be on the finale, which I guess we could all agree on is the best. So <laughs> yeah, I think we all love the finale. And next up, our next even episode guest, he joined me two weeks ago to talk about Chapter 16, the tragedy, and our game of Capture the Flag on Tython. Nick Friday is here. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be back. It was a fantastic episode, a fantastic season, and I can't wait to talk about it. And I brought a guest with me. He's right here, and he'll be helping us. Hey, today. hey, you you brought some guests. I have a couple of guests here as well. I have I've been doing some Lego building this week to get ready for the episode. So I have Mando. I have that really good. That's really good. I got the child, Grogu, and I didn't even know I would need him, but I have R two D two as well. <laughs> So and I know that, but I got three of the four major characters built at Lego this week. That's, that looks, it actually looks really good. Yeah, it does look really good. Let's get into the episode right now. Chapter 16, The Rescue. And as we do here, we're going to play the spoiler warning on the podcast. Though I don't know why I should, because this is a Mandalorian finale podcast, so you, you shouldn't be here if you haven't watched it. But here we go anyway. All right, you have been warned. If you've not finished season two of The Mandalorian, get out. 
Go watch it. Come back. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled like crazy about 30 seconds. Go around the horn real quick. Pete, instant reaction to the finale. Great on that. Uh, I, I, would, I would have to say an A. I would say top tier for the whole season. Uh, I think that at least this time um, in a series, not so much Mandalorian, we're not disappointed by a finale, by a season finale. Obviously, it's not a show finale because – uh, season three um, has be. been talked about, obviously for for you know production wise for probably this whole season now. Um, but overall, fantastic. I, I think they hit the nail on the head on how to end this season, um, and it actually kind of does bring a lot of plot points together and end them. We're not really left hanging with a lot. Um, it almost seemed like a show finale in a way. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they do moving forward. Yes, yeah, Sam. How about you? What was your grade? Um, definitely like 10 out of 10. Um, like I agree with Pete, like all the plots came together. So I'm not going to go too far ahead of myself. Uh, but the ending after the credits, it all made sense uh, with those chapters, you know, you know, explanation chapters going on uh, looking forward. So I feel like this is my personal take is this is it. This is the end of man, daddy Mando. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Nick, what about you? You're great. Um, perfect. Whatever the highest grade you can give is. There's, I have zero flaws with it at all. I really like. There's minor flaws in each episode, sure, but it doesn't impact the quality of the show whatsoever. It's everything they did story-wise is perfect. There's nothing I disagree with. There's nothing that gets under my skin as a huge fan, and I'm just really excited to see what this branch is out to be. Indeed, and I loved it too. I think I gave this an A on my scale as well. I think we'll start off, we'll go through some of these points of the episode. I'll start off at the top here. We have the scientist Pershing shuttle gets ambushed. I think nothing really shocking there, but the thing I thought was interesting, Pete, we learned that Pershing is a clone engineer. I think it just lends more credence to the theory that they're trying to build the Snokes with the with Grogu's blood. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is something that needs to be thought of because of the whole uh, sequel to 4, 5, and 6, that whole you know episode seven, eight, nine debacle, as I like to call it. Um, it, it makes sense. It, it, it takes that little, a uh, little bit of connection and brings it to the series. Um, I like to think of it as like a rogue one connection, right? So rogue one kind of connected episodes three and four a little bit, or at least gave you a, a preview of what four was going to be a little, little kind of run in, but I think the connection is key. I think this is something to look out for in series to come that Disney plus has just announced that Star Wars has announced. I think this is just the beginning, and I think Mandalorian was a good starting point. Um, I think Mandalorian, to give a best kind of frame reference, is, a, is the Iron Man of the Star Wars Disney Plus universe. Um, Iron Man started off MCU. I think Mandalorian starts off this universe that you see for Star Wars and Disney Plus. Yeah, Sam, what do you think about that? Because I do have some, we do have some good points there. Because this season we introduced Ahsoka Tano, we introduced the Mandalorian connections, we mentioned a bunch of characters from other Star Wars. But do you think Pete's on something here? Um, one hundred percent. I was thinking that too the other day. Like, I feel like they're just taking the Avengers, and of course, I've been looking at things online, and they're just like trying to like fit that into the Avengers. What they did with the Avengers, they just want to stick Star Wars into. But that's like a Disney like little program. They're like, it worked once. Like, hopefully, it will work again. Uh, but I hope they don't, you know, take it too far. Yeah, Nick, I know we talked about this off air too, is I do think that it's a sort of, the season I think to me, it feels like a better done Iron Man 2, where we're sort of introducing elements for future Star Wars projects. But as now, we did not lose focus on the fact that this is the Mandalorian. This is still his show. Yeah, I, I touched on it with you off, you know, off air here, but 
it's not a coincidence that John Favreau direct created this and directed Iron Man. It's not a coincidence at all. The, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to build stuff. And, and we all saw an Iron Man. We all saw what that led to last year with Endgame and whatnot. So it's not a coincidence that he's in charge. And back to what you were saying about the opening scene about him being a cloner. I mean, he's from Camino, so it 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 adds up. It does add. It adds up. It does add up. And the next stop we go to is we go to we build out the crew some more. We go to. We go back to the, find the other Mandalorian. For some reason, Axe Wobes is not there. He must have been out getting a drink or something. And then Bo-Katan, Costa Reese are there. And we see that Bo-Katan and Boba Fett are just do not get along. I'm going to throw this to Pete and Nick. Is there any sort of, like, canon in the Clone Wars Rebels stuff that sort of leads to why these two wouldn't like each other? Well, I'll, I'll just start real quick and say that I think a lot of people are not fully understanding about Bo-Katan because they haven't watched a lot of the extended material as She's not a good guy. By no stretch of the imagination is she a good guy. She, it's, it's almost like watching WWE. She's a returning character, regardless face or heel. People are going to give her, you know, oh, my God, look who's back, look who's back, and they're happy about it. She's not a good guy. She worked very closely with Maul for a little bit. Yeah, she feuded with Maul as well, but she's definitely not. I'm not saying she's a bad guy, but she's not a good guy. So it's not like so seeing her in in a power hungry role that you people may see it as 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 she really needs that dark saber is not a stretch it's not it wouldn't be crazy at all if that's how they decided to go with this on the other hand it doesn't mean that's how they're going to do it they could also go a few different directions I'll, I'll let someone else you know pick up from here and I can I can bring in some more later if you'd like but it doesn't necessarily mean that, that she's going to be a bad guy but she's by no stretch of the imagination a good guy yeah Pete what do you think about this yeah, I, I, just to add to that, we can't forget that Mando, Boba Fett, even Bo-Katan, the, these are, I don't want to say mercenaries of sorts, but they don't really have a side, right? Uh, Bo-Katan always keeps preaching how she wants to take over, take back Mandalore, 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 Mandalore. It's very, uh, very a home mission. It's my home. We need to bring it back. But the Mandalorian himself, until Grogu comes into the picture, was doing some shady stuff. Same thing with Boba Fett. So, yes, in, in this series, we're looking at these characters as heroes, but you can spin this any way you want without breaking any canon. Yeah, you definitely can. I think it's a fun story to track. I think this might be more expanded universe territory where we're going with this, but we do have a plan set up here where Bo and Costa agree to help, and Bo's price is heavy. Like, she wants Gideon's entire cruiser, and she wants the Darksaber, plus Mando's consideration to help recant Mandalore, and... Sam, I think this is a very hefty price to extract to help get the kid back. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I literally, like, keep kicking myself uh, for not watching Clone Wars when it came out. I kind of, like, just disregarded it because, uh, you know, it was just, like, on TV and everything. Um, and now I'm, like, desperately trying to catch up and, like, digest everything that the show has given. Um but I literally, like, I was surprised. I thought, like, Bo was going to be, like, this great character. But, like, even just in The Mandalorian itself, you could tell, like, she's not perfect and everything. Um, so it's just really interesting. I'm, like, very excited to learn more about each one of these characters. Yeah, I definitely feel like, Nick says before, like, there's not really a true good guy here. It's like, these are sort of, like, different corners of, like, the anti-hero perspective. I, would, would you say I'm getting that right, Nick? Yeah, and another thing to touch on is, Bo-Katan is very interested in the Darksaber, obviously, but she, you can see how at the end of the episode, we can, you know, I'm not going to skip ahead there, but she wants to earn the Darksaber herself. 
she's not going to just take it because the last time she was in possession of it, she just took it. And it, and look what happened to Mandalore under her rule. And I think she realized that you can see at the beginning of the episode, that scene that we're talking about now, she said, if only like when, when Boba Fett and Edward was fighting, she stopped them and said, if only we can fight like this united against the empire instead of fighting amongst the ourselves. And that's exactly what happened under her rule of Mandalore because she maybe she didn't take the dark saber the right way. So she has to respect these rules of Mandal of, of Mandalore. This is the way. Otherwise that might happen again. So she's very into the unification. Yeah. And as a such, she comes up with the plan here of how we're going to get Grogu back. So what happens is they have the shuttle that Pershing was in. The plan, Pete, is they're going to stage an attack and have Boba Fett's ship attack the shuttle. They're going to infiltrate the cruiser and send Mando off on his own mission to seal off the dark troopers and get Grogu. The rest of the crew goes to the bridge, goes for Gideon. On terms of a strategic plan, Pete, what's the grade on this? You know, I would have to have to say maybe a B plus, only because it it just seems like I've seen it before. I don't know, maybe like the Death Star attack or something. I don't know. It just seemed a little regurgitated to me. It was still a great plan. It worked obviously. Um, there were some snags in that plan, obviously, with the dark troopers, but. Um, it, it, it worked. It, it, it wasn't anything like spectacular. Like I wasn't like saying to myself, wow, this is an insane plan. That they're going to pull off. Like it, it makes sense. Like this is the plan that would be most straightforward. So great. It, it was great on screen. Nothing wrong with it, but I, I don't, I don't think it's like at the top tier of plans when it comes to star Wars. Yeah. I'm just, I just think in terms of this, like it'd be nice to get Boba Fett involved in that actual raid. Cause I feel like having extra person on that ship wouldn't hurt. But at the same time, Nick, I do think like, Hey, you need him to sell the we're gonna attack the ship rouge, and maybe this is a fault on Mando. Say we should have picked somebody else up to help us. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with with Pete. I, you know, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. It's just how many times are you gonna see the same thing? But it, it worked perfectly. It's nothing wrong with the plan. It, it, there's nothing really, I you know, to add. Nothing to take away from it. it doesn't. Whatever, it's there. It's fine scene. It's, it's it's just put it this way. It's probably the least important scene of the whole of the whole episode. So then, who cares? You know what I mean. <laughs> That's definitely a fair point. And we'll break. Go 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 ahead now. We get to the siege of the ship. We had the strike team of Bo Katan, Costa Reese, Fennec Shan, and Cara Dune all going after this mowing down troopers. And Sam, I do want to point this out. I think it's a rarity on Star Wars to get four female characters on the screen at once, let alone like kicking ass like they were. I think that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it was really cool to see. Then um, they're just all strong characters on their own. So it was just like cool that they could come together even despite their, you know, backgrounds and differences. It's a very wide range of like people here. You got two Mandalorians, you got Kara the Republic Trooper, and you have Fennec Shan and Assassin. But like, they do make a hell of a team. Oh, I really think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pete, in terms of like, you're more like into the Star Wars stuff this year. Can you remember the last time we had like this many like, I feel like Star Wars is a bad reputation not having enough female characters on the screen, let alone like in one scene together. Well, I, I have to say, you know, we I made the Marvel and we all made the Marvel connection a little bit a while ago in this podcast. It, it it almost seemed like when I was watching it, the scene in Endgame where all the female uh, heroes come together as like a female Avengers, which is a very powerful moment um, in the Endgame. And this is also a powerful moment in Mandalorian. Um, you know, yeah, obviously in Star Wars history, you don't really see, um, a lot of, you see female characters and female leads, but you don't really see them doing a lot of the action, right? We have Leia, we have Padme, we have Rey, um, and then a, a, a smattering of others that are in seven, eight, and nine. 
obviously this is a very strong and powerful group of women in the in the season for out throughout the season even the first season too that we were introduced uh, it, it makes sense it makes sense for them to leave this yeah and sam you actually called the female avengers thing even before on the back when we did the avengers endgame preview podcast you didn't nail that oh well it was just a lucky guess <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to another good guest on the podcast just a bit, but they're going along. We see Mando taking on, trying to start the Dark, dark Troopers. Nick, we got a first real look at them in action because that was an episode, that's a we recap. They just showed up, grabbed Grogu, and ran away. And what did you think of what we saw them here and how hard it was for Mando to deal with just one? Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And it, and it goes back exactly what I said on the podcast two weeks ago. I said it was really good that they didn't show them in action because they're going to save that for the end, and we don't know how powerful they are. Because if we know how powerful they are now, it might take away from what happens in the final episode. They might plan it differently. So the fact that we never saw them at all until right now was perfect, and they were everything that they were advertised to be plus more. Basically looked like Mando could take down one, maybe two, if he was, in, if he was alone with them. And how many were there? Maybe 30, if they had to take yep. a guess. Yeah, maybe 30 or 50, I, I would guess. Yeah, so, you know, they wouldn't stand a chance. If you had five Mandos in the room, five of Din Djarin, they still would have pretty got, you know, gotten beaten pretty easily there. So they were everything they were advertised to be. And the fight against them was very cool, too. It showed that he, um, like, kind of thinks outside the box in a way to win his battle rather than going through pure power. And that was obviously really cool to see. And he did – and. Yeah, like I said, though, the main point of that was just to show this is our protagonist. We've never seen him struggle at all in any sort of battle, maybe a little bit, you know, struggling, but that he always comes out on top. This guy barely took down one. Yeah, and there's and there's, there's still 20, 29 behind the hangar door. Yeah. We flushed them out. We think we're rid of them. And Pete, I know we didn't touch on this last time, but, like, can you give me a little, a little bit of the history of the Dark Troopers, like, in the, in the uh, canon we haven't seen? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Dark Troopers don't really know much about um, I do have one gripe about the Dark Troopers, though, in this mo- in this movie, in this series. Very, very rigid kind of droid. I-, I feel like with the technology that we've seen in Star Wars, all the droids are almost human-like. Um, if you want to go to the maximum point of that, General Grievous, right? But it, it, it just seems so rigid and so obsolete for what Star Wars technology is. Um, I have to defer that question, uh, you know, Maybe someone else on the panel knows it, but I'm I'm gonna be honest with you, Dark Troopers, I'm really not that that uh savvy with. Nick, do you have anything on the Dark Troopers? Not much, but the only thing I do have is they're not so the reason that he probably doesn't is they're not on Clone Wars, they're not in Rebels, they're not part of like the extended television universe. The only way you're gonna see them is in the newer um yeah. Battlefront yeah. video games on the PS4 and Xbox. Yeah, and that's their only appearance in both of those games. And Sam, I do want to make a good point about this because Pershing talked to them about the Dark Troopers on the way in. And and I think, I forget who it was, I think Boa Fett asked them, he said, what, who's in the suit? And they and he said, no one's in the suit. We had to get rid of the one last imperfection, which is the person in the suit. And I think that sort of explains a bit why these troopers are so rigid, as Pete was saying, and not like human-like at all. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I just, I just really liked the troopers. Um, I mean, I get they're rigid and everything, but um, I don't know. It just made it seem more menacing, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's just my personal take on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. The aesthetic, yeah. especially when you have like the glowing red eyes, like the robotic movements, like they scared the crap out of me a lot more than like your average stormtrooper running down and shooting blanks down the corridor every five minutes. 
Yeah, I don't know if that was a nod to like a kind of like a like a kind of like a joke, as in like the imperfection with the humans, as in the stormtroopers miss everything. I that's how I took it, but I don't know if that's how that was meant to be. But even even if it wasn't, I still think that's kind of funny how like that was the imperfection with the person inside that was missed. You know, because stormtroopers never hit their targets. Yeah, they don't. And then we we continue on with our fights here. Mando goes to goes goes back to Grogu. We see them storm the bridge. Gideon is not there. And then Mando gets to Grogu's cell, and Gideon is there. Sam, how calculated do you think this move was on Gideon? That he anticipated this thing happening. Aside, you know, I'm going to go down here to Grogu. I mean, I feel like he's like you know he's not the dumbest villain we've had. Um, I feel like since you know when Mando sent the you know hologram, I guess um, the message towards him to, to him in the past episode, he just knows like that's why he knows who's here. Like he knows exactly what's going on. Um, so he was just trying to like get a slight step up, especially after his whole spiel. Yeah, he does. And then we have this big speech in the cell, Pete, between get from Gideon to Mando. And he's basically saying like, look, Bo-Katan's not who you think she is. Like, I'm sure she killed everyone on the deck, which she did. And, you know, here, here's my situations. Like I already got what I need. Here's this. what do you think of the whole speech of Gideon to Mando? Yeah, I mean, obviously, while it was happening, I really didn't think he was being genuine uh, when it came to, hey, you know, I just want the blood, just take the kid and whatever. I, I knew that was a ruse. Uh, no villain, just like, yeah, no problem. Let's just have an even, even trade. Uh, but he he's not wrong about Bogotan. I mean, I, this is something that that is probably, you know, like Nick was talking about, like this is something that's well known throughout all the different series. Again, there's no there's no right or wrong side when it comes to Mandalorians or, or even bounty hunters. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. So it, he was speaking truth, but when he decided to say, yeah, man, though, you can take the kid as long as you let me just, you know, have the blood. I, I came for what I needed to know, whatever I'm done. Like I knew that was not an actual thing. Yeah. Sam, do you think we should dock Mando points here for, for falling for this plan? Because I mean, like you considering how many things he's seen in the universe and how like see a pass he's had, I think he's way too quick to buy this of, Oh, you can have the kid back. No strings attached. Well, like, I know I make the joke about saying, like, Daddy Mando all the time because I think it's hilarious. But, like, he really does care for this, like, child. And, like, when you're a parent and everything, uh, you, like, that's all you see. of like, tunnel vision. Especially if you're, like, somebody you care about and you don't want them to get hurt. You kind of have, like, this tunnel vision. So, like, kind of makes sense. I mean, it is kind of a dumb move on Mando. But, like, you know, what are you going to do? He just really loves Baby Yoda. And I don't care. I know his name's Grogu, but we're going with Baby Yoda. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go with that. And we did get at the end. As you see, Gideon predictably turns on Mando. He tries to kill him with a Darksaber. We get an epic fight with between the spear and the saber. And someone on this panel happened to call this fight during their episode recap. So let's go back to episode six and hear what Nick had to say about this. But then I realized, and a minute later, there's two things that survived that crash. The marble or whatever it is, the piece of the ship that Grogu's always playing with. And the spear. And the, and the spear. Now, both, there's a reason for both of it. The marble is to show that there's still hope. You're still going to get Grogu back, although this may have been destroyed. There's a little piece of hope left. And number two is that spear. So I think it's as obvious as anything. When you see when you see Ahsoka fighting in the last episode against the spear, our our final battle this season is Mando versus Moff Gideon, Dark Saber versus Sphere. Yeah, that would be and that is going to be an epic. That's going to be an epic fight. That's 
I, I would I would put a thousand ten thousand dollars on that is going to happen this season in the last episode. Nick, I have to follow up. Did you put the money down on that? Yeah, where what were my odds? I'm expecting my return. <laughs> I thought you could have looked it up somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure they were pretty low, though. To be honest, I think was, I, honestly, I know I predicted it. It's cool at the time, but I think it, I, I personally, I think it was kind of obvious it was going to go that way. But, but I will. I do want to touch back on the previous scene, though, before we move forward. I got to admit, I fell for it. I fell from off Gideon. I when I watch movies, when I watch TV, for whatever reason it is, I believe everything every character says, and it's good because I get surprised all the time. I just, I, I never think to myself, oh, he's lying. I always just believe it and think, oh, how are they going to go with this? Does that mean they're going to go this way? But whatever, I fell for it. So if you're going to take points from Amanda, you're going to take points from me too. So you basically but, net, 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 uh, net zero then with, with this prediction, canceling out your gullibility. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm exactly who the writers are writing <laughs> for. They're writing for, all right, we're going to make them think this and then that. And I always fall for it. So it's good, good. You know, it's cool for me. All right. But what do you think the, of the fight itself was execution. awesome. Yeah, Pete, execution of the, of the Spear versus Darksaber fight. What do you think? I think it's... <laughs> I wanted to send you a meme, and I couldn't really figure out how to make it because I was very just not all there with the tech stuff. Uh, it, it just makes me mad that we got better fight scenes in The Mandalorian than we did Episode 7, 8, and 9. <laughs> like, there was better lightsaber battles in The Mandalorian with pretty much no lightsabers involved except for two episodes than we did the entire last trilogy that came out so i was like oh where was this crap in seven eight and nine like what's going on here but yeah no core the choreography the 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 use of the best car spear and everything i i honestly give it like a 9.5 out of 10 yeah the only thing that would make it even better is if mandalorian pulled like i don't know darth vader's lightsaber out of his buttons like all right we're gonna do a lightsaber battle like that would (laughs) have made it like even better but yeah honestly it was top tier yeah, Sam, your thoughts on the on this on the Spears Dark Sarah fight? Uh, I liked it. Um, you know, you just like, you just, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I guess I'm not the person that the writers write for. I'm just like, what if he just doesn't make it and he dies like right now? I always think like worst case scenario when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, but it was really exciting. I liked, um, you know, that Spearman must be a great weapon to have because yeah. it can survive almost anything. But, yeah. um. I did. I mean, it was really great, and I'm not trying to jump ahead too much, but I think that was a totally calculated move. Oh, um, but I'm not going too far from there. No, that's actually where we're going next. We do have the calculated move from Gideon, where we see Mando wins, Mando captures him, brings him to the bridge, and we find out the whole situation with the dark saber. And you can see when Bo-Katan sees him come up, he she is pissed because she knows like I was supposed to do. That. I was supposed to beat Gideon, not the other way around. And then we have this hilarious exchange where. Gideon explains, like, okay, like, you were in control of a Darksaber. She can't take it from you. And Mando's like, fine, I yield. You can have it. And she's like, I can't. And you can, and Gideon's narrating, like, she can't do that. Uh, Nick, I'll go to you. Can you, you mentioned this before. Like, explain a little bit more about the more of a Darksaber and what it means to hold it. Yeah, so long story short, which I think they touched on in the episode pretty well, but just in case it's, it, in order to, be the wielder of the Stark Saber, you need to defeat the current wielder. So that's how Mando is now in charge of it and whatnot. And for Bo Katan to get it, you would need to best Mando in battle. Similar to, you know, to, to, um, similarly in the Clone Wars, or excuse me, Rebels, um, the, the Mandalorian character from that show named Sabine, who I'm actually, I, for a while, I thought Sasha Banks's character was going to be Sabine and ended up not being. Still surprised. I thought we would see her in the show. Maybe we will in the future, but 
she was in in control of the Darksaber at a time, and she gave the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, as I mentioned earlier, and she took it. And in doing that, I think that it's possible that her rule of Mandalore was kind of flawed and people didn't respect her the way because there are a people of, of, of warriors. And if you're not even, if you're the leader of this warrior group and you're not, and you didn't become the leader the right way in that you, uh, you took this saber from someone rather than winning it, I think you lose a lot of respect. And I think that's why Mandalore fell. And I think she knows that. And she knows if I'm going to take this thing back, I'm not just going to take it from you. I'm going to have to, when I battle you and take it that take it the right way. Yeah, Pete, do you feel like this is sort of a calculated maneuver by Gideon? Because like you know, it's like you know, I'm the odds are against you. So I just want the dark troopers get flushed out of the ship. Like, do I just you know make it hard for Bo-Katan, harder Bo-Katan to get the save the dark saber back and just put it in Mando's hands? No, he's not going to handle it correctly. He 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 knew what hand he was holding. I mean, he knew what cards he could play with. Uh, again, like Sam was saying, he's not the dumbest villain we've seen in Star Wars. He's actually probably one of the smarter ones. Um, in some aspects, planning and execution, probably he's that's that's his top, um, you know, organizations, his top skill set. It, it was it, if I were him, I'd be doing the same thing. I would play the odds and go, look, I can either get my butt kicked by a Mandalorian covered in Beskar. I can't do anything with this Darksaber or I can have one Mandalorian fight another Mandalorian while I still have minutes, hours to live while these dark troopers are coming back um, on their, you know, jetpack feet to get back to the to the ship so um i think it was a calculated and well-planned move yeah sam also as far as the dark saber situation here goes i feel like this is kind of similar to what happened in the last harry potter book where we had the situation of the elder wand where drake where draco has it he unwillingly get like disarm somebody you know and harry disarms him and then voldemort ends up getting killed because he thinks he owns the darks the elder wand but he does it. i think it's a funny parallel yeah, that's so funny. I literally, that's like when I was watching it, I was like, ha, Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> that's literally what I thought about. Um, but I really think that, you know, um, Bo couldn't defeat Mando. I like, I have like this like, you know, sunk feeling that that's just not something that she is like able to do against him, you know? So I feel like it was like, he's the perfect candidate to have um, the dark saber. Yeah, we're gonna put a flag in that one. Definitely gonna come, touch back on that point. But we do end up seeing that the dark troopers come back, and I, I'm with Nick there. Like that surprised the hell out of me when I they just happened to come back and I said, "I'm like, oh boy, I did not expect that one to come." Yeah, I thought I, you know, I didn't, I didn't track the timestamp on the episode when we were at that point. But in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, this episode's almost over. They're gonna go their separate ways, have a little scene where it's like light outside and having coffee. You know how like every movie yeah. like it ends at nighttime and then they skip to the next morning and they're all drinking coffee and that's how it ends up. They're going to like do that. Everyone goes their separate ways. Thanks for your help. I'll be, I'll be in touch and then stuff like that. And then like him and Grogu get like a new ship maybe and sail off into the sunset to end the, the show. I, I didn't check that there was like, it might've been like 15 minutes left at that point. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we were in for a treat. Yeah, we were. They come back on. You see them coming in here. Then all of a sudden we see the one X-Wing come in and you see the Bo-Katan's like, What's what good is one X-wing gonna do? And then we get the big shock of big shocks. And this is the thing that people are still talking about this episode. Besides the post credits, is the return of Luke Skywalker is CGI de-aged Mark Hamill and Pete. How big a surprise was it? And like, when did you figure out where it goes? As soon as the X-wing showed up, or when the green lightsaber lit? Yeah, honestly, uh, first of all, props to to the studio that did the de-aging CGI. I mean, wow, that was. I mean, you can tell a little bit but still it was it was fantastic um i didn't really 
I kind of had a hint when the X-Wing came in and they weren't responding to their, like, ping and saying, identify yourself, who are you? Um, and once I saw the green lightsaber, I automatically knew it was Luke. Um, what it, I, it blew my mind because I was thinking, I don't know if anyone's played Jedi The Fallen Order. I thought maybe it was Cal Kestesis. Um, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but Orchestus, whatever it is, from that video game. Because I'm like, oh, that, that would kind of make sense. Uh, timelines are a little wonky, but like, I was like, that would be pretty cool actually to bring that kind of video game in. And like Nick was saying, the dark troopers, um, you could see in battlefront. So it was like, well, you know, I made that connection when he said that just now, I'm like, Oh, that would have been actually a really cool connection. Did not know Luke Skywalker was going to be the, um, was going to be the Jedi. And also just to add a little point, I think it's very interesting and nice that Yoda trained Luke and now Luke's going to train Grogu, who is the same species, or we're assuming is the same species as Yoda. Almost kind of like a f- full circle kind of thing when it comes to training. Yeah, I think this is also fun. And Nick, you guys talk about this off the air too, how like you love Rogue One, because that was the moment where Darth Vader really got his, oh, like I'm a badass moment when he's mowing down all the rebel soldiers on the ship. This is sort of Luke's really badass moment where he's just basically sawing through dark troopers like their butter with the lights there, and doing, using the force and all that stuff. I feel like it's an incredible fight from Luke. Yeah, I don't know what's up with the Lucasfilm story group and having scenes in hallways, but like this is the third one now we've had <laughs> where someone's had their epic scene in a hallway. I mentioned it two weeks ago when I was on here, Vader and Maul at his in the Clone Wars, both in the hallway, and now Luke in the hallway. I don't know what it is with the hallway, but I think it's because it's a confined space and it just makes it look it makes it look more intense than if they were coming from all different directions on like a top angle. So I think it just looks better. But yeah, he had his now Luke had his epic moment, and it's again it's something that. Star Wars has been going on since, you know, 1977, but like, you know, it, let's say it ended in 83 with Return of the Jedi before it came back, obviously, but for all these time, for all these years, so it's almost 40 years now, we've been waiting to see Darth Vader in his full, in his full strength, his full power. Same with Luke. It's something that you never believed it, but we never saw the two main characters of Star Wars at their peaks in the movies. It's like crazy to think, but it's true. And we finally get to see that now with Rogue One with Vader, with this, with Luke. Even you throw Maul in there and the Clone Wars, like, you know, it's something that you get to see, like, the, the badass side of them. I can't believe we never saw until now. It's when you think about it, it's actually crazy. Well, with Fett in Episode 6, too, we were, we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and Sam, I think you answered about the hallway thing. I maybe jump back to, I know you've watched the Netflix uh, Marvel series. I feel like all the great Daredevil fight scenes were in hallways. It's sort of a very similar callback to that. Yeah, that's true. And then um, I was reading this article about um, Rogue One, and it's a very similar like choreography with Vader and Luke, how he fought, um, you know, the um, everything. So it's just like interesting, the same, they use similar choreography with the Mandalorian with Luke and Rogue One with Vader. Yeah, it is an interesting choreography. We see him mow them down. We see him show up at the end, and we have the great scene where Luke and Mando are conversing, and then I thought it was also fun, like, seeing, like, like when they're watching on the monitor and they can't tell what's going on and seeing Grogu's face just light up when he's like, oh, he's here to help me. He, like, he knows before the rest of them do. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, he has the Jedi, they have the Jedi, like, intercommunication system in their brains. So, you know, they're I'm sure he was, like, talking to him the whole time. Like, Grogu's like, oh, on your left, uh, on your right, uh, right behind you. Yeah, a little bit of a Sam Wilson shout there on your left. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we get the great scene at the end here where Mando has a conversation. He figures out to trust him, and we get the cool moment, Pete, where Mando 
willingly takes his helmet off to let Grogu see his face before they say goodbye. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a touching and, and fantastic way to end that relationship between Grogu and Mandalorian. I didn't see it coming um, at first. I, I, it made sense once it happened. Um, you know, we've seen Man- Mando get a little bit more comfortable with taking his helmet off when he needs to. Um, like absolutely needs to, as we saw in this season uh, with Bill Burr's character. Uh, Bill Burr, honestly, great in the series. I don't know why he's not in more episodes, but anyway, um, it's really touching and it really puts the human side of the Mandalorian into Mando. I feel like a lot of people see a suit of armor. You don't really see his face. We kind of get this sense that he's not a robot, but he's just like, he's a a human machine. It's like, I have a job. I'm going to do it on to the next one just like Boba Fett, just like Django Fett. It was just very, like, there was no humanoid side to them. Um, there was no, uh, there was no, like, feelings. It was just like, okay, this is what I got to do. This is the way it is. Let's do it. I think this finally puts emotion in the human side into the Mandalorian that we were kind of seeing throughout the entire series, but really, like, hit home right there at the end. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I do like the choice here because they see Mando sort of, you know, we had this callback back in episode I think number three, when they said, oh, like, you're kind of a zealot. You're wearing the helmet all the time. And he's slowly showing his face more. And I feel like that's something that's going to help him if we see more of him in the future. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we wrap up the episode, we get to the post-credits. Sam, what do you think of the R2-D2 cameo? Uh, I was actually very excited. Uh, I mean, it was just like a very emotional, like, scene with um, Grogu. Um, But then it's just like, you know, and then it was like a nice little, like, you know, an upwards uh, happy emotion with R2. Um, I was just, I wasn't actually, I was pretty surprised to see him on there. Yeah, Nick, I feel like this is the most he got in R2 in a while because I feel like he really got sidelined that sequel trilogy. Yeah, um, so I know I'm safe with Pete to say this. I don't think I'm safe to say this with you, but it really, that scene, as much as it made me happy, got, got under my skin a lot because I'm sitting here thinking, that's what we got for a sequel trilogy? Are you kidding me? We could have had something like this. Like, are you? You got to be kidding me! It made me more ticked off than it did happy in a way, because I, I have been no stranger to say this. Seven, eight, and nine are my three least favorite Star Wars movies by far. It's not even close. Like the bar goes from two to seven, and then eight and nine are three floors below me. I, I mean, I'm there with you. I took a big dump on nine. Seven, I didn't. Oh, I know you did. Yeah, yeah I, did. I know you did. Eight's very polarizing. Seven, I'm okay with. Nine just is a dumpster fire. But we'll, we're going to litigate that another day. But the, the scene, it's a scene in general. Just it got under my skin more than it than it made me happy, and it's upsetting because it should have made me so happy seeing R2D2 again for the first time since I guess oh five. I mean, I guess he was in sequels too, so I can't say that. But he's barely in the sequels. Me, yeah, but it made me upset in a way. I was like, this is what we should have. This is what we should have had. We should have had John Favreau, Dave Filoni doing the sequels. I, I, Dave Filoni can't direct. I mean, you saw him. He directed the the Clone Wars movie. I mean, that was that was a disaster. But he he can write. A, I don't know about he's in, he can develop a good story. I don't know if he's a writer or more just a consultant to the to the story group. But he can develop a story. And John Favreau can obviously make things in live action. You've seen that countless times. To be fair to Dave Filoni, I mean, he, the Clone Wars movie was a long time ago. I mean, he did direct stuff on Avatar last year. Bender, he did very good there. He does direct the Ahsoka to no episode this season. That was pretty well received. 
Yeah, I guess what I mean is I don't know if I would put him in solely in charge in terms of in charge of the story and the direction and this and that more so as in I just want him to be there and like basically I watched the um the season one making of Man- uh, Mandalorian where they're all at the round table and it's all the directors and basically yes. you have John Favreau saying anywhere I wanted to go with this I first go can I do that Dave is that okay can I do that like does this work does that not work how does this impact the canon is it is this allowed and that that's I feel like that's the perfect role for him is just have him sit next to the writer where the writer comes up with his own idea and Dave's like, no, you can't do that. Or yes, you can. And I clearly did not have him there when they wrote seven, eight and nine. Yeah, they didn't. And while we're on the director topic, Pete, you want to happen to get both Peyton Reed episodes this season because he directed our favorite episode of frog lady in the icebergs. So we got a much better effort from Peyton Reed here. That's an understatement of the year. (laughs) We went from frog lady and absolutely no story implication to one of the best series finales I've seen on shows that I've, that I've not series finale, excuse me, season finales I have seen on shows that I normally watch. I mean, they night and day, Mike night and day. Yeah. I mean, Peyton, I I gotta give credit to Peyton. I don't think he was given the best story in episode two. I I don't care. Like, like, it's just like salvage it somehow. I don't know. I mean, I, I have, I have my, uh, issues with with Frog Lady, as yeah. you can tell. Yeah, see, I was suddenly hoping that Frog Lady would show up just to so get Pete triggered for this finale. Oh my god! Oh my god, Frog Lady! I that was like my least favorite. I have a irrational fear of spiders, just <laughs> giant ice spiders. It yeah. haunted my dreams for like days. Although to be episode. Yeah, although to be fair, Nick, like she had a skill with droids, and so maybe she could have been useful in, in like, deprogramming the dark troopers. <laughs> they, they could have thrown her in. I, it seems like, um, you know, we've, talk, we've talked about this before, but it seems like um, that episode was more of like a world building kind of thing where they show the travel. Like I'm actually rewatching Game of Thrones right now. And you see that early seasons, like, like walking from one end to the, of the, of the, I guess the country, Westeros to the other, it takes them a season, a season and a half. And then you see by the last later seasons of Game of Thrones, they fly across in five minutes. And it seems like that's what we get in, in everything. Like, you know, they show the journey, and that was the journey with Frog Lady. And now at the end, it's, all right, where's Gideon Chip? There it is. Let's get it. Here we go. And I get that because you're not building the world anymore. you got to jump right to the action. Yeah, and that's that wraps the episode, basically. We see we see Luke leave with Grogu. And then we get the post credit scene, which I think very interesting take on this. We, we do not go anywhere near this. Story. We go to Boba Fett going back to Tatooine. Going back to Jabba's palace, apparently Bib Fortuna took over the Jabba the Hutt Empire, and then Boba Fett comes in, just mows down everyone in there with Fennec, and then he claims the throne. We get the tease, the little text at the end saying, the book of Boba Fett is coming in December 2021. Pete, what was your reaction to watching that post credit scene? Um, my reaction was that season three of Mandalorian. Uh, I, I believe I texted you that too, we were talking about it. I think that because we've ended the narrative of Grogu for now, we may see Grogu in the future. We may see something along the lines where he becomes a Jedi and that might be a thing. Who, who knows? Um, I feel like they need to go somewhere with the Mandalorian. Uh, I don't know how Mando's character is going to press on after not having Grogu without it being just mundane tasks again, like we see in the beginning of the uh, season one, where it's just like, hey, do this for me. Okay, do that. And that was kind of almost like, what was both seasons for Mandalorian, right? Like, oh, I can help you, but you gotta do this for me first. That was, it was like almost what playing an RPG video game. It was just like, okay, I gotta do all these side quests. Saw thousands of memes about this, memes about this, do a bunch of side quests, 
And then once you do, I'll give you this particular item or this particular service that you need to move on to the next episode. Fine. It worked. But like, how much longer can we do that for? So I think that this, you know, Book of Boba Fett is going to be season three of Mandalorian. And we'll probably have still Bo-Katan. We'll probably still have Mando. We'll probably still have all those characters. But now we have to revolve around Boba Fett because there's really not much except for maybe the Dark Saber and the Mandal and the take uh, back of Mandalore storyline to go around anymore. Yeah, Sam, I'm going to go to you. I know this is sort of a big change direction, but you got you into the show. Like when you saw that this might be where we're going next, what do you think about that? Um, I'm excited. Exactly um, what Pete said. I literally think they're just going to go from one Mandalorian, you know, because they're all Mandalorians. They're going to go yeah. from one Mandalorian to another and tell their story. And then, you know, I'm sure we'll have some idea to bring everything together for like a later season. Um, one of my favorite like little um, ideas that people I've read online is um, that Luke's trains Ben Solo. So, you know, it's just like, Will Grogu and Ben, there'll be a young Ben and a Grogu training at the same time to be a Jedi. Like, you know, they, we, there's all these like, you know, ideas going out there. So I'm just really looking forward to, hopefully it's not just, you know, Mando, you know, Mando and then Boba Fett and then going back. I just hope it's like, you know, it gives every Mandalorian a, like a voice and a story so we can learn more and get more of their characters. Yeah, and this is an interesting point because we talked about this because obviously we're going to get into the Disney event a little bit that they had last th Disney Plus event where they dropped all these projects. This was not announced then. They said that Mandalorian Season 3 is coming December 2021 and the text is, oh, Boba, Book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. I found this article online. It was interesting. This is from November from Nellie Andreeva, The Hollywood Reporter, and this is what she says in the piece. Disney Plus's signature original series, The Mandalorian, just returned for its second season, which had wrapped production just before the pandemic hit in March. While not officially greenlit, a third season of the hit Star Wars series has been pre-production for months, with creator, director, executive, producer John Favreau publicly stating they hope to start filling by the end of 2020. That may be the case, with some sources indicating that production will be soon, starting as soon as next week, or late November, early December, while others point to spring or even fall 2021. The confusion stems on the level of secrecy in the Lucasfilm camp, but persistent chatter could explain the discrepancy that another Mandalorian-related project or spinoff or possibly a Boba Fett miniseries would film first, starting next week or later this month, with the Mandalorian season reproduction coming after that. So, Nick, I'm going to go to you for this one. What do you think about this possibility that maybe we have a Boa Fett miniseries, like maybe like four episodes, and then we go into Mandalorian after that? Well, I have two thoughts on this. Um, one thought is, actually just came into my mind as we were talking a few minutes ago, that originally we were told years ago that Boba Fett was getting his own movie. It was, you know, that was the plan. And that never happened. And I'm thinking to myself, that never happened, in my opinion, it's because, it's because people fell off of Star Wars train up in The Last Jedi, but we can disagree with that if you want, whatever, that's fine. I think that they lost a lot of interest and they, can't, they canceled that, that, that movie and they went into, um, they went a different direction. And I'm thinking maybe The Mandalorian was a way to get, and I don't want to say get people back, but get people on the, on board. And then like, all right, well, here's that, here's that movie we promised you in a show format. So I think they also announced an Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, show a few months ago. And I guess they confirmed it last week. That was originally supposed to be a movie too. And they switched that over to TV as well. So I'm thinking maybe this Boba Fett miniseries is really that movie that we were supposed to get with a little bit of backstory being season one and season two of the Mandalorian. I maybe, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't bet on that, but maybe, but, but what I really think of the possibility of both those shows running at once is it reminds me a lot of, as you've mentioned before, the Marvel Universe on Netflix, but it especially reminds me of the DC Universe on TV. Mando being the Green Arrow, 
Boba being the Flash, those shows did it. They they run simultaneously. I think uh, Arrow ended last year, but the other shows are still going on in that universe. But they run side by side. They interconnect sometimes like maybe three or four times a season. They're on one another's show. And I can really see them doing that with with the Star Wars universe, bringing Ahsoka in there, the Rangers of the Republic, bringing everything together, and then having your ultimate villain be Grand Admiral Thrawn, your AKA Thanos of this universe. I can really see them doing that, and I can see them starting it as soon as next year, too. And I hope, I think Pete is right. I think Mandalorian season three is the Book of Boba, but I hope he's wrong. Yeah, I think, Pete, my thing is, like, if we do it like this, where we say, okay, we're going to start, like, early December, we'll have four episodes of Boba Fett, then, like, Mandalorian season three starts on Christmas. I'd be like, okay, that works for me. But, like... Yeah, that works for me. My problem is, is, like, I think if we're just pushing the Mandalorian characters out to the side and we're going to spend, like, eight episodes of Boba Fett, I'm like, yes, he's cool, but, like, is there enough story here with him that, like, I'm invested, like, I'm going to spend eight episodes caring about what Boba Fett is doing in, in, the, in the underworld? I mean... I I don't know yet. I mean, we didn't know what the story of the Mandalorian was, right? We didn't know the story of Mando when he came in. I just want to touch on one point, because as Nick was talking, I kind of thought of this as well. How interesting would it have been? Now, I, I like the movies, but how interesting would it have been if the movies for Star Wars were a series? Like, what if, what if like, Revenge of the Sith or A New Hope was a, was a series that you watched all year long? I, for some reason, Star Wars works really, really well for me as a series. I get excited, like, oh, I'm going to watch the new Star Wars next week. And all of these different shows that are coming out, I think Disney Plus finally hit the mark and went, hang on, our Star Wars fans want to continually be engaged, given content, yeah. engaged. Yes, the movies, again, the original movies, perfect. The prequels, you can have your de uh, debates about them. The sequels, they could have done so much better. We, I think we're all in agreement with that. A Star Wars series, Rebels and Clone Clone Wars, I think, were, were unfortunately, I think, were knocked because they were animated. I think if they were live-action series, maybe more people would have gotten into it. A lot of people are into it, but, like, I'll tell you right now, with me, I didn't get into it. I haven't watched them. I'm going to be honest with you, and they're on my watch list because I want to. But the first thing I'm going to look for is a live-action series. I think they finally said, you know what? Our Star Wars fans, especially the ones in the older age range, want to see live action Star Wars of stuff that they haven't seen before. And I think, imagine if like the prequels or even the sequels were a series, how different the reception to it would have been and how different the story could have gone. Um, because you have to sum things up in episode break. So it, that just thought came into mind. But anyway, go back to Boba Fett. Boba Fett, we don't we don't know what kind of storyline he could have, but I feel like there's potential. I feel like there's a lot of potential. We don't know what Boba Fett's been doing this whole time, right? We don't know what he's been doing this whole time from the original movies. He comes back and he helps Mando. Who knows? They may be a full team, and they call it the Book of Boba because Boba Fett's in it now, and he's a bigger name, quote-unquote, than Mandalorian is when it comes to Star Wars canon. So I'm going to take it. Either way, if it's a mini series or even if it's a full season of Boba Fett, I'm going to take it just the same way as Mandalorian. I don't know who the character is. I don't know what kind of situation he can get into. Let's see where it goes. Yes, yeah, I think Pete brings a couple of good points here. I do think the idea of the Star Wars working better as a TV show makes sense because I think that a lot of these movies are sort of like jamming so much into two hours, two and a half hours. You're coming out of like, this made no sense. We just kind of skipped here, skipped there. If you give this stuff room to breathe, I feel like it has more of a chance to be interesting and successful. 
Yeah, like 100%. Um, especially when Nate brought up the whole like DC thing. I'm like, bing, that's so, that would be such a smart idea for them to do. Um, I just really, I don't know. I just like my little premonition is that they're, they'll bring everybody back eventually. Um, but I really think that it would work well if they had multiple series going on at once. Um, but I really think, uh, I don't know. I just feel like they're gonna have to bring it full circle. I'm kind of nervous about it. Um, but what Pete said before about the Clone Wars, about it being like uh, animated, that's the reason why I didn't watch it. I think I was, I don't know, I think it started coming out in like 05, 06. I could be totally wrong about those. Oh, like, wait, not far. Okay, yeah, so like far. I wasn't really into like, I wasn't looking for the animation. And now, like I said, I'm kicking myself because it's actually really, it's a really good television show. Like, yeah, they don't give you a lot of like depth and really good episodes in the very, very, see, I'm only on season two. Season one wasn't crazy. Uh, but I thought it, it's like a, it's, I like it. Like it's a good show. And I feel like it just wasn't made correctly. And now I think uh, what everybody's saying, like Disney plus is this perfect platform to make, to produce everything. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I just hope they do it justice, but uh, I don't know. I'm nervous. I'm always nervous when it comes to like doing things correctly because everything gets in the way. <laughs> well, if, you, if you're watching Clone Wars for the first time, I don't know why this is the case, but it is the case. For whatever reason, the episodes are not in order. So make sure you look online for the correct order of what you're up to. Because I don't understand why they did that, but they did. Oh, okay, because I did not know that. Thank you. <laughs> and for what, and, and I completely agree. I mean, I'm Mike. You're 31, right? I'm 28. I'm sure, you guys are in the same range in age here. When we, when these cartoons came out, we were 16 years old. I don't know many 16 year olds that were eager to start watching a cartoon. Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's kind of the opposite. You know, you get to like whatever, eleven, twelve, and say, you know, maybe you know, maybe ten, thirteen in some cases, and you want to stop watching cartoons. So they come out with a Star. I'm sitting here. There's a movie coming out. I've watched all the Star Wars movies, the first six, countless times, and they're making an animated movie. I'm like, what is this? What? Like, and the first thing I mind is they're introducing a pad one for Anakin. Oh, so she dies by three. All right, this is dumb. Why would I watch that? And then you go into it and you watch it and you realize. This made Anakin's character ten times better. This made, you know, um, this made Darth Maul's character ten times better. This made Obi Wan and Dooku it showed you other sides to the everyone. It's just it when Anakin turns bad, or yeah, actually definitely bad. No quotes there. When Anakin turns bad in three, you don't care. When you watch the Clone Wars, you care. You feel for the character. You understand what they were aiming for in the prequels. And I always say this: I think the prequels had an incredible story to tell, but didn't tell it perfectly. I think the story behind them though, even in all of them, one and two also was an incredible story, but they didn't execute it perfectly. I still love the movies, but I don't think they did a good job telling it. And then when you get to seven, eight, nine, I don't think they had a good story to tell, but I think they did an okay job telling it. I think the acting was actually, it was really good. Some of like the, the, um, the direction and whatnot was all good. I just feel like I don't want that. I don't want the story to go that way though. Yeah, it makes some sense. Let's go quickly around the horn. We'll go on some of these projects that were announced. Sort of get quick takes on these. We have the Ahsoka Tano spinoff coming. Pete, are you in on this? I'm in. I'm fully in. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting project. We'll get, we'll get more there. Sam, we're getting Rangers of the New Republic. We feel like we talked about this a little bit. I feel like they want to give uh, Gina Carano a show with Cara Doom. I feel like this she's going to be in this. Yeah, you know, after our last conversation, what you said, like her, like, you know, horrible Twitter comments, I'm just like not rooting for her as a person. So um, if she's not in it, whatever, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think those two, Boa Fett, Mandalorian, looks like 
They have said that they are building towards a, quote, climactic story event, which is not my words. That's their words. It's going to be in Mando's corner of the universe. I feel like this is sort of copying the Netflix MCU model. Like I said before, Mando is Daredevil. We have Boa Fett sort of like the Punisher of this universe. Then we have our Jessica Jones, Luke Cage kind of shows. Hopefully they don't do Iron Fist. That end up being a complete train wreck. We get a big event, and we sort of get our Defenders kind of deal. Nick, is this basically like this is where Thrawn comes in, you think? Yeah, it's a, I, I, it's a little confused with me, though, because if he's around, where is he? You know, how yeah. long has he been around? How long has he been back? What's he been doing? Kind of fills, he kind of creates some holes. But again, if you're giving me more content and giving me Grand Admiral Thrawn and Boba Fett, I'm not going to care where was he five years ago. That doesn't fit. That's awesome. I'm not going to not going to dig into it like that. You give me Grand Admiral Thrawn week, week in and week out, I'm watching yeah, and Pete, I feel like this is one of those where they're going to probably use Ahsoka's show and say, okay, here's a little backstory you need for the big event. And they might get a little, sort of like what Guardians of the Galaxy did with Thanos. We, put, we popped him in for a little bit, but he wasn't the main villain. He was sort of like a background character. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the perfect uh, show to do it, especially because Ahsoka's asking for him in her episode of Mandalorian. So I think I think that's the that's the place that he has to be introduced. Yeah, he'll be, make his live-action debut there. I think this could be fun. I do think... I also do think we should get, I think we'll get a proper Mandalorian season three at some point of like basically exploring what's going on with Mando and the Darksaber. I do think that is sort of like our last Mando pit stop before we get to wherever the story event is. Yeah, you know, Mike, I actually think that you had multiple crossovers in Mando that were not labeled as that, and now they are. Like you have the, you know, I can't remember his name, the the New Republic pilot who's always around with Dave Filoni, the... Um, yeah. The, the larger guy, yeah, he'll you know, pro- I'm talking about. Yeah, he'll be he's going to be in New Republic. He's going to be in the Ranger. Yeah, and that was his kind of introduction. In you have Ahsoka showing up in that one episode. And that's going to be like a crossover in her sense. And I think the whole season was Boba Fett's way of getting his crossover as well. So you, we had this right. These guys were in front of us as minor characters, and we didn't even realize. And now we realize this is the universe they're building. Yeah, speaking of minor characters, and I want to give a shout out to Alan Austin because he loves Timothy Oliphant. Sam, do you think we could see Cobb Van back in, Bo- in the book of Boba Fett? Um, definitely. I feel like there's room for anybody to be popping up and saying hello. I feel like it, now it's just going to be like an encore, you know, because we got excited when people from season one came in or characters from season one came into season two. So I feel like it's just, it's anyone's game. It's just how they, you know, it's just crowd pleasing. Yeah. Pete, I'd like to see more Oliphant, would you? Oh, yeah. I'd like to see more everyone. Just bring <laughs> all the characters back. Whoever's alive, bring them in. Just throw them Frog lady. Frog lady's alive. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Can, can we kill her off? Like, not to sound morbidly, but like, can we can we have something go on where like the frog lady unfortunately passes away or something? I don't want to see her in the show anymore. I know that sounds really rude to me, and I'm not that kind of guy. But like, I cannot deal with frog lady anymore. You know she's gonna frog be like they need her hallway scene. <laughs> oh God! You know she's gonna be the key to top defeating Thrawn. You know that, Pete? Yeah. If if they put. The frog lady into a hallway scene with Thrawn. I'm, I'm going to just throw my TV out the window. Like at that point, at that point, are you grasping for so many straws that you need to have frog lady have her hallway moment? I mean, I, oh, I'm triggered now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Let Pete cool down. Let's go some other stuff here. Uh, Andor coming in 2022. Cassie Andor's Rogue One character set five years prior to the formation of the Rebel Alliance. Nick, thumbs up, thumbs down. I can't three top three. I don't have three, three thumbs up. I can't wait. I'm, that's, I'm more excited about that show than any show. Rogue One is my favorite star Wars movie. He's one of my favorite characters. 
It shows us the other side of the rebellion that we've never seen before. We saw that in the movie when we saw the, they looked like terrorists at the time in the movie. And they're, you know, they, I guess they technically are, if you think about it in that sense, but they're, you know, they're bombing the stormtroopers on Jeddah. And like, and I'm like, this is awesome. This is not the rebellion that I grew up with. The rebellion I grew up with is a bunch of passive people who plan one attack and they win and they're all happy and cheering. Now this is the secret spies and the underworld. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. And we need K2SL back in this. Yeah. He's hilarious. Um, he was great. He was a phenomenal droid. Alan Tudyk was the voice of him. He does great voiceovers and he's, yeah, he's going to do great. Okay, let's go to P here. We might end up triggering him again. We get Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Six episodes. Hayden Christensen back as Darth Vader. Pete, are you okay with that aspect of the show? I am okay with it if they redeem themselves. I think they have an opportunity to take those characters. I, I love you, McGregor. I, th- I think he was a fantastic Obi-Wan. And I, I have no problem with, with Hayden Christensen, except for the part that, that he just seemed like he was overacting. I, I just, I don't know if it was the direction by the director or, or, or just, or just his, his ability as a, as an actor. I think this is a great, great, great opportunity to restore my views on Hayden Christensen when it comes to acting. Um, you know, to play on what Nick was saying to, the prequels a very important story to tell. And Mike, I've told you episode two, one of the worst movies probably had the most important story that need to be told, which I find very ironic. This is, this is redemption. So I'm excited to see what happens. I just hope I'm not let down. I hope so. Either. I hope so too. Sam, we have Lando coming. We don't know yet if Donald Glover is going to be back. We're getting like DH Billy D Williams. What do you think about Lando? I mean, I'm excited. I'm way more excited about the Obi-Wan Kenobi one. Um, I mean, you know, you got Hayden Christensen. Like, he's a farmer now. Like, this guy doesn't even really act. And so they're, like, bringing him back for this. Like, he's like, this is my time for redemption. So I really think that he's working hard to please people. Because I feel like since episode three, they're like, oh, no, we hate you. You did such a bad job, blah, blah, blah. So now he's going to come back with a vengeance, you know? I'm very excited for that. My hopes just dropped because I didn't know he was a farmer for all these years. Now, <laughs> yeah, literally, he's not no. coming back from being a farmer. To be a- he wakes up in the morning, does his farm farm chores. You know, that middle day has lunch, practices what he's gonna say, his redemption, finishes his chores like, at night, goes to sleep, dreaming of fixing his life. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Have you ever seen the the Lonely Island movie? Yes, rock pop star or whatever. It just like the uh-huh. the one the one band member that like left the band or got kicked out and he just have a, had a farm life and then he needs to come back to sing with the group. Like, this is what I'm picturing now yeah. for a potential Darth Vader. Like, uh, yeah. fraud lady well, I, and now farmer. I actually saw, I saw a meme recently when they announced Hayden Christensen was coming back and it was like, I forgot what the caption was, but it was like when, when Hayden Christensen and then it's a picture from Rogue One and it's Krennic going to get uh, Galen Erso. He says, farming, really? A man of your talents? Because that's exactly what's <laughs> happening right now. I, mean, I don't know what talents, but. Yeah. I, I feel bad for him, man. Because I remember I was, I think like we were all like, you know, we're all around the same age. Like it was like middle school. I came out and we were all like, oh, this sucks. Like, this is so stupid. Like, blah, blah, blah. Because I've been watching Star Wars since I was like little. And uh, oh my goodness, I remember this one kid, his name is Max. He's like, trust me, I feel like there's going to be a lot worse things put out. And then when, you know, episodes like seven, eight, nine came out, I was like, oh my God, he was right. Like <laughs> there could be worse things in episode three. <laughs> yeah, I, think- I, I loved them at the time. And, and, and going back to what you were saying about um, 
it, whether it was the acting or the directing, I think it was, you know, it was a combination, obviously. But I do hear a lot of stuff like Lucas comes. I don't know if this is just Lucas saying this to get people off Hayden Christensen, but I've heard him say many times in the past that he acted the part exactly how he wanted him to. So that leads me to believe that was t- more towards Lucas. Lucas in the directing. But, I mean, you know, he could just be saying that to defend Hayden Christensen. I don't know. But but I do want to speak real quick on the Obi-Wan series is that I think there's a lot of people that need to be in that show that we just think right now there's, you know, it's going to be Darth Vader. That's awesome. It's going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's awesome. But there's a lot of characters that need to be in there. Number one is Luke. Luke has to be in the show. And Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru have to be in that show. That is like, that is a must. They talk about him in episode four as if he's like a creepy neighbor or something like they, they got to be in there. And then I also saw some people want to see the return of the character from Solo, Ensis Nest. Although I think that might suit better for Lando's show. Yeah, I think so. Either way, but either way, I would like to see that character a little bit more. But I do want to touch on one quick thing is uh, when Vader and Obi-Wan fight in the first ever Star Wars movie in, um, in, in episode four, he says to him, you should not have come back. He, we, Obi-Wan was never there before. So that's something we're probably going to see. We're probably going to see that the little interaction that they had between each other. They talk about a lot of like previous things. And the, in our minds, the last time they saw each other was when he, you know, chopped his limbs off. Yep. And none of that stuff happened in that scene. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of the, uh, not a lot, but a few interactions between them. Also like, you know, I, think for, I forgot if it was five or six and it doesn't really matter, but he says, I think it was six. Vader said to Luke that Obi-Wan once thought as you do, meaning like he once thought he can turn me back. That never happened in the prequels. So I think this is something we're going to, this is new stuff that we're going to see. Yeah. As long as we still get James Earl Jones doing the Vader voice, I'm, I'm in on this series. If it's, if we're trying to do Hayden Christensen seat, like dubbing it, I'm going to problem. Yeah. He's getting up there in age. Hopefully they can get that done sooner. Yeah, indeed. Let's go. So I'll, I'll stick with you for a minute. There's one we haven't heard much about. It's called the Acolyte. It's a, they describe it as an action thriller martial arts element set in the High Republic era. What do you think about this? I think it's cool to just see some High Republic era. Yeah. Just see some something a little bit different. It's going to be cool. Yeah. I think we're going to learn a little bit about that, or a lot about that era, and that, that's cool. And, the, and the, the martial arts thing, I have no idea how that fits in. I really don't. Maybe it's something with how the Jedi develop their combat skills. I have no clue. I, honestly, I... That's the one I know the least about, and so I think we all know it works out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just a mystery one that I think will be cool. I, I think that will probably be the least popular one, considering what it is. I mean, there are some of the, like you said, we mentioned before, the cartoons always tend to be a little less popular because of people's age and they just don't want to watch things even though they're cartoons and whatnot. But I think of the live action ones, that's probably going to be the least watched. Yeah, we are getting another cartoon too, Pete. It's called The Bad Batch, obviously based on one of the, the, like the, the uh, guys of the same name. And considering now that the Clone Wars and Rebels are getting a second life on Disney+, Plus, I feel like more people might give this a chance. Yeah, you, you know what it is? I, I'm giving it a chance or going to give it a chance because I want the story. Yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, like Nick, 28 years old. I'm not sitting there going, I want to watch cartoons, right? There are some people that do it, and there's no judgment there. But for me, I just, that's not like my thing. Like, I want to watch it because I want to know the story. I want to know the ins and outs of Star Wars. And if that means I have to watch a cartoon, then I will. So the same thing with, with Bad Batch. If it's going to add knowledge of Star Wars in the universe and even give me some more information or knowledge about it, I'm all for it. 
Yeah, I think that works for me. I think let's go. Visions is not going to really know nothing about except it's just like an anthology cartoon. So we'll skip that one. The films we have the Rogue Squadron film coming in 2023, directed by Patty Jenkins. Sam, are you excited, interested about this one? Yeah, I mean, um, I've liked what Patty Jenkins has put out in the past. Um, I don't honestly know that much about it. I like feel like I've been keeping myself in the dark and not really trying to learn too, too much about everything because then it's a spiral that I get too excited or too disappointed. Um, but you know what? I think she's a, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I'm like hopeful. I'm excited. I'm honestly excited for anything coming out. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm just excited for like all the future uh, projects coming up. Yeah. I'm intrigued by that one as well. And Nick, we're going to wrap up here. I think the one that's got me most excited of all these things that we have a film coming from Taika YTT. We know him from, obviously he did Thor Ragnarok and save the Thor franchise. And now he also directed the season one finale where we had the great moment with the waiting for Godot reference to the stormtroopers. He's getting his own chance to do whatever he wants at star Wars. I'm excited to see what he comes up with. Yeah. He also played, um, IG-11. Yeah, he did. He's the voice there. And he was also the voice of Korg in the uh, MCU. But he um, he's funny. Uh, I, I, um, Thor Ragnarok really was a great ride. I love that movie. That is like... So I, you know, I was always an MCU fan. I always watched them. You know, I see them in theaters, whatever. Some of them I didn't even see in theaters long after the fact. I always liked them. But then when I saw Thor Ragnarok, I was like, I love this stuff. Like, that's the one that... Like, I always watched them. I, you know, I was always there. I saw, you know, Civil War, I think, opening night or whatever. And I, I liked it. You know, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. But, like, when I saw Ragnarok, I'm like, all right, I'm almost as big as an MCU fan, a Star Wars fan now. Like, that got me really into it. And I was like, couldn't wait to see, like, how they wrapped it up. And I think that's because of the way he went with it. He just, like, he, I don't know. He makes it funny without overdoing it. I don't know how to explain it. The way he, his direction style is just, just good. And it worked perfect for Thor. It really did. And I, I is he doing the next Thor? I think he is, right? Yes, he's doing Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, that's going to be great too. And it's like he's perfect for that. That just works perfectly with that character. So like, but him in Star Wars, I think that'll work. I mean, I, the only thing that gets me a little under worried is his his. Now it didn't worry me at all because it, it turns out in his Mandalorian episode that didn't happen at all. But he kind of has that, like I mentioned, that humor twist to it, and I think it doesn't work as well in Star Wars as it would in other things. For example take the last Jedi into consideration that the, the, was it like the Yo Mama jokes at the beginning? Yeah. It just didn't work in Star Wars. <laughs> it, it works in, it works. It'll, it will, it can work in Thor because he's like, a, a, he's like not from earth and everyone else is from earth or I guess in Ragnarok, they're not on, they're not on earth, but you see my point yeah. is that like, he, like in Thor one, when he's sitting at the counter and he, and he goes, he has like another and he throws his beer on the ground. Like that's cause he's not from earth. And it's just funny. Like in Star Wars, they're all from the same, area so like someone like it just doesn't work and then like luke the lightsaber like that stuff like that was supposed to be for laughs like it didn't it didn't work in star wars so i'm a little concerned maybe he'll go a little too far with the comedy but then at the same time like i said in the season one finale he didn't go too far so i think we're i think we're safe i think we are safe i think it's a good spot to wrap it up here we got a good job here well thank you guys for coming on pete sam nick this is awesome i enjoyed talking to all you guys we'll do social media handles in a minute I also want to plug the blog here. I actually had a chance to check out the recent 30 for 30 on the infinite race. I have my thoughts on it. Just on the wordpress.com. Nick, if you, is that something that caught your interest? Not yet, but I will. Yeah. Check out my review. See if you think it's worth it. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects, leave your feedback and star ratings. I'll make their packaging better going forward. 
also follow the YouTube channel, Mike Phillips on YouTube and PR video conversation. This is going to be going up in just a bit. Yeah. I mean, the, this, uh, this is new to me. I'm usually behind a mic and no one can see me. And now this is very vulnerable and everyone can see what I'm doing and my mouth's numb. I'm probably smiling weird. So, uh, definitely check it out on YouTube guys. Hey, you did a good job with the lighting there. You got the nice little silhouette from the window. Oh yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's the only spot in my house that I can sit without, uh, without it be looking too awkward. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can also. Yeah, I can't. I can't figure out lighting in here at all. It's the best I can do. Hey, you did, you did a good job there. I think Pete just happened to be landing like really the perfect spot. I, dumb luck, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll also go around. I'll do some social media handles. Pete, have you follow you on Twitter? Keep up with some stuff you're up to. Yeah, at PJ Considori twenty nine. Bunch of hockey stuff. Bunch of Star Wars stuff. Just, just lighthearted, fun tweets. All right, Sam. How about you? I'll be a follow you on social media. You can follow me at S-D-E-R-O-S-5. Like I mess it up 50% of the time I'm on this podcast. But I think today I got it correct. Um, but yeah, follow me on there or anywhere else. Just Google Sam DeRosa and I'm not the famous singer. So, <laughs> Okay, not the famous singer. Nick, if you want to follow you on the Insta, how do they do that? Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I know it's against this media, this medium to have this, but I don't. Don't no. follow me. I don't do. That. I don't do social media. I have it, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not posting. So you're, if you follow me, you're wasting your time. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm on. Inst- I'm on Instagram and Twitter to see what other people have to say. So Nick will, <laughs> Nick will follow you. You won't follow him. I'll follow you. I'll follow you. <laughs> you don't follow me. Yeah. So I, I haven't posted a picture in three years. Yeah. So he will follow you. So if you have something interesting to say, I'll direct you Nick's way. He will follow you. Yeah. Put a comment on the YouTube video or your handle, and I'll follow you. All right. Yes. Yeah, so you can do that. You can follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. Coming up next week, we have our holiday special podcast coming up. It's a big superstar show, and somebody on this panel will be on the show. It's me. <laughs> yep. Hey! Surprise. We need the uh, alarm, the spoiler alarm. Yeah, so, oh. yeah, let me get that up here. So, that was a little bit of a spoiler for the holiday, holiday special podcast. There it is. <laughs> yeah, Sam will be on. She's going to be not the only one. We have a bunch of guests lined up for that one. I'm not going to spoil any more of that because there is a lot of fun here coming up. But until then, I hope you have a fun day and hopefully we'll be talking more Mandalorian in the future. Mm-hmm.